1: Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter
0: and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's you, Sparky Fiker, 1250 AM. The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with our guy, Crunchy Kevin Holden, CBS 58 Sports Director. Follow him on Twitter at 321 Kevin. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvath off today on jury duty. Uh, hoping to have Mister uh, Horvat back on Wednesday, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Kevin Holden, have you ever done jury duty, and if so, how did it go? I I was called for it
1: once. Um, uh, it was I had just moved to Milwaukee, like maybe a year or two after I got here. I got called to jury duty, but usually when when one of someone in our profession gets called to jury duty, and you and you go, it's it's like, oh no, you're you know, you work in this line of work, right? Like in my case, it's like you're a member of the media, which, by the way, don't don't start me on that term, the media. But mm-hmm. it's you know, it, usually that's the end of it. In my case, I didn't even get in the door. I, I just called that morning, and they said, now nah, we're good.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. I uh, I got called a few years ago uh, and went, uh, and I got called into over the course of two days, five courtrooms. Sat there, listen whole thing, and then you know it comes around of you have to stand up, tell everybody your name and what you do or whatever else. Uh, and the very first day, uh, the second or third courtroom I was in that day, I don't remember which one. Um, I stood up, said my name, and the judge literally goes, "Hey everybody, this is Steve Sparky fiber from twelve fifty. I listen to him every day. Sparky, how are those Packers going to be, buddy?" And I, I started laughing. Everybody started laughing. I said whatever. So then that night, we get released at 5 o'clock or whatever else. Obviously, I don't get picked. And I'm walking out, and one of the lawyers from one of the courtrooms, that courtroom, I think, is walking out. And uh, I was like, hey, man, I said, "Uh, I'm not getting picked tomorrow, are you? He's like, not if you're the only person in that juror stand. You're not getting picked. No. (laughs) Like, that's what I figured. He's like, yeah, no chance. He goes, enjoy your show, though. I listen every day. I'm like, cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. And that was the extent of it.
1: Has there has there been another another place like that where you got crazy? Because I have another story if we if we're gonna go down. The sure, rabbit. go ahead, go ahead. You know how uh, TSA uh, approves you for a thing called Global Entry. There's a thing called TSA PreCheck, which gets you through lines at the airport faster, sure. which is helpful for me and my life because we do like to travel. Uh, and then there's a global entry version of it. And global entry usually requires like you have to go in person and they go through a questionnaire or whatever. Well, my wife and I are sitting in this room and this guy opens it's like a side door. He's like, oh, sir, I need you to come here for a second. And I'm thinking like, what did I do? What What was this is the at life? the airport? It's, it's like across the street from it. It's like okay. a, a weird building like down by Mitchell. And um, I, I'm thinking like, man, something in my past you know, is that, I don't have a crazy history, but you know, who knows? Right. Right. And he closes the door and he goes, dude, I just had to say, I love it when you fill in on, on, uh, on the fan. That's um, awesome. And we talked about your station the whole time. And then at Beautiful. The end it, he's like, he's like, yep, here you go. Here's your global entry.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. How funny is that? That is amazing. Oh my God. So funny. Yeah. Those were the good old days back in the day doing local sports talk radio on the fan. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, so now we're in podcast version. Curtain Log. Normally, we always talk Packers. I got Kevin Holden. When I have Kevin, I tend to like to do everything. Um, and there's stuff going on with Packers, Badgers, and Brewers. I wasn't even going to really talk Bucks necessarily because we have greeting rung for that. Uh, but those other two, we don't really have much of anything. So we're going to get into that too. Okay, so let's start, first start talking about the Packers first. Coming off of that bye week, uh, there was a report earlier today, uh, Monday, as we record this, by Pat McAfee on his. Uh, youtube espn show uh and he says he's hearing rumblings that they're going to make a change of defensive coordinator in denver and he's hearing rumblings that it could be rex ryan uh, taking that job to you kevin holden i ask would you rather have rex ryan over joe barry
1: oh boy <laughs> that's you know the, the the trouble there isn't so much the positive of rex ryan it's the continued uh struggles defensively under joe barry and and You know, there was a time in the Aaron Rodgers era that those struggles from Joe Barry's defense were front and center because Rodgers, for the most part, was playing at an MVP level. And you would always say, "Well, who's to blame for this team not getting where they need to go?" And the defense took a lot of blame, and rightfully so in a lot of cases. Uh, This year, the bar is lowered, and it makes it cloudier for me to figure that out. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's a tougher situation for that defense, and I don't know how much of it I can put on Joe Barry. Okay, so I set all that up to say, I, you know, I'm usually not a change for the sake of change kind of guy, but maybe change for that sake of change isn't a terrible idea. Rex Ryan has has had uh, certainly success in his history. The past has been much kinder to him than it has to Joe Barry in, in uh, you know, high-profile positions
0: in the NFL. I think I just talked myself into Rex Ryan, Sparky. You know, my thing is, is one, if you were going to make this move, it had to be right after the last game to give Rex a week and a half to adjust the scheme, whatever he wants to do, get with the guys, you know, going up to the game. Because now you have no break, right? There is no stretch where you have that chance to incorporate him. Um, I don't think him and Sean Payne can coexist. Eagles are too big in both accounts. Yep. Could him and uh, LaFleur coexist? Maybe. No, because I think LeFleur, the part of the deal would have to be, I'm not going to step on your toes, Rex. Like, you do you. Because with Joe, I feel like he does step on Joe Barry's toes all the time. I don't like what you're doing. I want you to play this way in the second half. No, I don't like what you're doing. We're going to do that this week. Like, he is really kind of running that as well as he's running the offense right now. Rex Ryan is not going to have that. If Rex Ryan comes in, it's going to be like his dad buddy with Ditka. I run the defense, you run the offense, and we'll be fine. Just stay out of my way. And I, I think... That's how it would have to be. I don't think the the Packers defense lost that game against the Raiders. The Packers offense lost that game against the Raiders. You held Devonta Adams to one target for over three quarters. That was not Joe Barry's fault. Okay, that was the Packers offensive fault for not being able to do a damn thing the whole game. So in my mind, you weren't going to fire Joe Barry coming off of that game because he did more than enough for his defense to win. We'll see what it looks like the rest of the year. I'm with you. I'd rather have Rex Ryan as well. Because the one thing we know about Rex Ryan defenses, they're going to be very physical. They're going to play an intimidating style of ball. Will they give up a big play now and then? Absolutely, because they're super aggressive. Are they going to hit the quarterback? Hell yes, they're going to hit the quarterback. And, and that's something that, you know, not only. Do you play 10 yards off the damn line of scrimmage half the time with Joe Barry's defense, but then you don't get home when you do blitz half the time because they get picked. All these del- blitzes, when he does blitz, get picked up. That's the most frustrating thing is, okay, now we're going to be aggressive and blitz, and they get picked up every time.
1: The one downside that, that I could think of is right now, Matt LaFleur is kind of a, 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 an easy target for, for things that have gone wrong. Yep and Rex Ryan would instantly the, the second he took over his DC everybody would say oh yeah maybe he's the next head coach maybe maybe yeah, absolutely. He another change so that yep. there's the only downside is that you there's you create an instant drama no one is saying that about Joe Barry but uh, but still i i think yeah i think that it takes a step forward i mean we've said it for how many years now a couple of years at least that the words draft capital the the amount of talent the amount of potential that's on that side of the ball uh is, is just it's the best it's been in a long time, but uh, you know, as they as they used to say, potential is a kind of word to get you fired. Right? Yeah, you got to take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, offensive identity, another thing that Lafleur was searching for for this team going into the bye week. Said he was going to spend you know countless nights at the office. Yada yada yada. What should the identity of this offense be coming out of the bye week?
1: yeah well they should be healthy and that that'll help you set to square one. They it, for me if I'm if I'm running this offense and I sit them down this week and I know I have healthy bodies I'm assuming that, Jones
0: practiced you know. today so yep. I'm assuming he's fine.
1: So there there's there's number one, right? That's when you talk identity. That's that's number one. I I look at them and I this is what I say to my offense. You saw us in Chicago. And, you know, the first thought, of course, is the Bears are just horrible, but whatever. they, you, you saw them in Chicago do what they needed to do. That's the last time Aaron Jones was healthy. Aaron Jones is healthy now. Aaron Jones puts that workload right on his back. The offensive identity starts there. A better Jones means a better A.J. Dillon, in my mind. I think some of what has gone wrong with A.J. Dillon is because of the lack of Aaron Jones. Uh, and then then you work your way back from there. Basically, Matt LaFleur gets a chance to put that offense that he had been talking about for a couple of years into place. Going back to when Aaron Rodgers was around, and the, remember it was the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, and they ran all over the Packers with Raheem Mostert. And it was like, well, Matt LaFleur really wants to run that offense here, wants to have that style of play here I think he can do something closer to that. I don't think he has the depth at running back that they had in San Francisco at that time. But uh, I think that's the start. You you pound it, you have some fun, and then this first game in Denver would be a great chance to put that into place because you think game script will favor them. Hopefully the Packers are ahead for most of that game and they can get the ground game going.
0: The other thing, um, I, I, I don't want to be too early on this, but I felt like that last game Christian Watson was uh, – Devonte Adams to Aaron Rodgers, that's what Watson was to love, where he was so locked in. I'm going to make a play with Christian. I'm going to make a play with Christian. He forgot about Dobbs. He forgot about Reed. He forgot about everybody. And I saw, uh, I forgot who it was. Somebody tweeted out that this offense was actually playing better before Christian Watson got back than since Christian Watson has gotten back. And I think that has to be a conversation too. Like if we go through this again this week against Denver, and we're doing the same thing where we're going to have him get eight or 10 targets and force balls and, and make dumb decisions and ignore the rest of the field. That is going to have to be a conversation that has to be had. Of look, dude, I get it. Like we all know, he's a big play threat. We get it. But Reed can be a big play threat. He's made a couple of explosive plays this year. Dobbs needs to be your possession guy. Musgrave needs to be that guy over the middle. Now again, both of them have to catch balls. They both drop big balls uh, there in the uh, late in that game in the fourth quarter. But the the ball has to be spread out. I think a little bit more uh, with inside of this offense on top of utilizing Aaron Jones. Well, that's the truth.
1: I mean, here's the thing. The, what what Packers offense would you rather have had, the one where Rodgers was forcing it to Devontae or the one where Rodgers put it in the hands of six different guys? Now, right. I, I know I'm speaking two different levels of football because Jordan Love and his six options are not Aaron Rodgers and his six options. But the only way you can get there, the only way that you can spread this out is to make sure you develop those other options. And if you're so locked on Christian Watson, you are delaying the development. Dobbs is a great example, but there are others on the team. You're delaying the development of a group that there's, am I right that there is not a single receiver on that team that's in later than their third season in the NFL? Like it's it's, second season. Second is the the peak. It's the height.
0: Samari, Toure, Watson, and Dobbs. Those are two and the rest are rookies. And Watson and Dobbs have not played a full season yet. So you Because of their injuries last year, they still have not played 17 games between the two of them, I don't think. Good. Either one of them have played 17 games. And Toure, I think, might have been inactive at the beginning part of the season or not playing. So e- even from that perspective, I, I think that- that's up for question too. So, yeah, and then your two rookies, Kraft and uh, Musgrave, and then DeGuara, he's in his third season. So maybe that's where you get the third season from at tight end. But that's it. There ain't nobody else.
1: So it's like you—you you don't have a choice. You have to develop them. You can't expect to snap your fingers and have veterans. Like it's, you know, no offense to Christian Watson, who will—who will do good things as long as he stays healthy, as long as he doesn't go on the Sammy Watkins path, he'll be fine. But, like, that's—you're not going to do it with one receiver. That was the whole breakup of the Rogers Adams era in the first place. So yep. yeah, you're—you're you're 100% right. You. You got to start with, in my mind, three or four options, and you have to to develop each of them to the absolute max of what they can do right now at this stage in their careers. And then you can start to have a hope of an offense that, that uh, you know, is diverse. Uh, it, it can't happen this week or next week. It's got to happen uh, each week down the next several, you know, like the next month or so, and then maybe you see some results. It's a long the, way. Uh,
0: right. The other issue and big issue is this offensive line sucks. And, that, that's just it. Look, left tackle, horrible. And, and I know they love Rasheed Walker, and they're going to give him every chance. He was facing two studs the last two weeks. Fine. But you can't have Jordan Love being worried about getting hit from the backside every single time he drops back. Like, that can't be a thing. Then you have panic throws, and now he's seeing ghosts, as Rodgers would say. That's a problem. Runyon's been god-awful at right guard. So, that hasn't helped either. Myers gets bull rushed every now and again up the middle and has his issues. Jenkins didn't look all that great last week. Tom has probably been their best offensive lineman of the five of them to this point at right tackle, and it doesn't sound like anything is changing. So it's going to be hard to run and pass if your offensive line doesn't play a hell of a lot better than they have to this point.
1: It, it is, to me, the offensive line and the struggles uh, are, are the result of... A, a shift in philosophy that's very interesting. You know, for years, the Packers were the best, I thought, about cutting bait with a veteran player at the either, either at the right time or maybe a touch early, right? But they did this with Lang and with Sitton and in other positions too. Jordy Nelson, you know, these were guys that that hurt like crazy when they got cut, but their careers didn't last that much longer. They understood these things. Rodgers was the first case where that changed. And when it changed with Rodgers and they hung on to him as long as they did, they did get MVP seasons out of him, but they paid a financial cost. They paid a price for that. And that price was that now, you know, they're, they're hamstrung enough that they can't go get guys. You know, it's tough to squeeze guys into the payroll. Right. because They're doing that. Bakhtiari is example two of that, which is they, they tried, man. Right. They, I mean, they they, they gave Bakhtiari every chance. To, to be where he needed to be. It's, and I don't think it's going to happen for him. I, no. It's not in Green Bay. And that and that hamstrings the team because that's money that you could be paying to serviceable offensive linemen under that old philosophy of, of cutting a little bit too early. But they didn't, and now they're, they're stuck with what they got.
0: Yeah, there is a good chance. I've been talking about this and Kurt along with Ryan Horvath. There's a good chance you're going to have two rookie running backs and a rookie left tackle next year on this team. And maybe a rookie left tackle and a rookie right tackle if Tom slides into guard there's a chance that at least half of this offensive line are rookies next year. Cause that first round, there's several tackles. There could be four or five offensive tackles in the first round of that draft right now. It looks like. Uh, so from that perspective, that's going to be a rookie running backs. I don't see how Jones comes back unless he takes another pay cut. Uh, there's no way they want AJ Dillon back at this point from what they've seen. And he had his best game of the year against the Raiders. I don't think that's good enough to keep them. Um, and there's nobody, Patrick Taylor. I don't, there's no reason for him to be on the roster he doesn't do anything there's nothing special about him at least with wilson he gives you opportunity to hit a home run there's nothing about that with patrick taylor nothing at all like there's no reason to have him on this roster i'd rather go find some guy that's 5 foot 8 with you know crazy fast speed that if I hit him out in the flat, he might take it to the house. He may not be great running the ball in between the tackles of the guard, but something with just, you know, Olympic-type speed that can take it to the house. I'd rather burn a spot on that on the practice squad than burn a spot on Patrick Taylor. You
1: could you could unfreeze Darren Sproles of like seven years ago and put him on this roster. He would have extreme value right
0: now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, talking with Kevin Holden, CBS fifty eight Sports Director. Follow him on Twitter at three two one Q Kevin. Uh, that is our Packer segment of Kurt and Long. You download Kurt and Long on your Odyssey app, or if you download your favorite podcast, at, also check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page where we live stream these bad boys. Uh, every time unless I'm by myself, in which case I don't want to look at myself for 30 minutes, nor should you. Um, so we don't do it. Then we just put up the audio version. Uh, so make sure to do that. All right, Kevin, hold it. Let's move on to the Badgers. Uh, I had uh, the pleasure, I don't know my pleasure, uh, going to the Badger football game uh, this week against the Hawkeyes. The Badgers offense was so bad. It put my seven-year-old to sleep, uh, literally in the stands, sound asleep in the second quarter, woke up at halftime. That wasn't good. Um, Tanner Mordecai ends up breaking his hand. Uh, and Brady Locke now gets a chance, uh, the redshirt freshman who is at uh, Mississippi State uh, and knows the air raid and all that fun stuff. So he gets a chance to play. Behind him is Miles Burkett, who was a star at Franklin, who had a little bit of run here uh, last year. So now he's behind Locke. I-, I think it's between those two now how this plays. If Locke doesn't play well for a couple of weeks, maybe then they go to Burkett and see what he looks like. I don't think it goes to the next two guys after Miles. I don't think we're going to go that deep into the quarterback room this year. Uh, your thoughts on what this Badgers offense looks like to this point?
1: Well, oh, yeah. I, they—I think they—they they really wanted to evolve. They wanted to. They wanted to. They. How many transfer quarterbacks did they have in this in this past off season where they were three. sounding? It was, it was it? Was three? It felt like seven. It, three. Because of those social media alarms, right? That,
0: right. Ah.
1: So they they brought all these guys in. And, and you heard talk about this whole shift in philosophy and that kind of thing. And the funny thing about it is they've been at their best, the Badgers have, when they played offense the way they used to play offense. Not that I'm advocating doing that all the time, but that's they've been at their best when they look like the old Badgers. And and at this point, because it's either going to be Locke or Burkett, you're either going to have someone with basically no experience you know, at the college level and someone with a half of pretty rough experience against Iowa – uh, I think it's, you know, it's time to swallow pride a little bit, at least for the time being, maybe for a week or two and, and and just bring it back. It is no chance.
0: There's yeah. no chance. They're not running air raid. Phil Lago is not running 1950s big 10 smash mouth football. There is zero chance that's happening. None. But again, you go back and look at that Iowa game. There was three straight possessions. He never called a run. And if yep. he did, Mordecai checked out of it. Three possessions of one, two, three punt, one, two, three punt, one, two, three punts, and then on the fourth possession, they finally ran the damn football. And you have Braylon Allen. And say Braylon Allen twists an ankle and he's out fine, then run actors. I don't give a damn who you run, but you have to have some type of running game. And Longo completely abandoned the running game. He was
1: this here's the thing about it the this new administration has come in. They have an entirely new philosophy. That's great. I'm not opposed to that new philosophy at all, but they just got there, which means that roster is almost entirely constructed of people from before they got there. It's a little bit better with with transfer portals and, and that kind of thing. You can bring some of your own people with you, the people you want with you, but still, for the most part, those Badgers are those Badgers from last year or the year before. And you you may eventually be able to air raid this thing effectively, but I just don't think this year's the time to do it. Especially if Tanner Mordecai is looking at an extended absence. I just this I don't think it's the time to do it. And here's the thing: I don't know if you saw this. Obviously, I bet I bet if Horvey was here, he would he'd be touching on this. So I'll, I'll this I'll channel Horvey for a second. You realize the Badgers are two and a half point favorites. That's it at against Illinois.
0: Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the year outside of Ohio State in two weeks. That's that's the only game they won't be a favorite in. Everybody else: Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska. They're they're going to be favorites in all of those.
1: Yeah, they should. They should. If if things if they just play average football, they have a chance to win every game. that's not Ohio State. Correct. I mean, that, that's the thing about it, and what that means is it's, it's a weird kind of pressure for Fickle and his staff because what if they don't? What if they lose that? Not that they're going to go anywhere, but you know what I mean? What if they lose two or three games? I mean, I think the idea of building this momentum for the program that they were trying to have in this off season is, is unwinding a little bit and and could, if they, you know, if they have a couple of slip-ups along the
0: way, you know, that's, that's the other thing. I don't want Mordecai back. Let me be very clear. I don't want him to play another down of Badger football. You broke your hand. Let's say he's out four weeks, whatever. Well, that's what leads two games, whatever, and then the bowl game. No, absolutely not. If Braden Locke is playing well or Burkhead, whoever they go with, I think it's going to be Braden Locke. Though, if Locke is playing well, okay, Ohio State they're going to get annihilated. Fine, put that aside. But but if if he's won the rest of them outside of Ohio State, you don't touch this offense, Tanner. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry that it didn't work out. You came here for a better chance to be in the NFL. You actually what went backwards and reversed your stock instead of getting better. You actually hurt your draft stock now at this point. Um, so good luck in your future endeavors, but we're going with him because he is the guy that's going to be the quarterback next year. In a weird way, it's a blessing in disguise for this entire staff because for the other guys on this team that are all underclassmen and young, these tra- these transfer portal guys, the USC guy, the Cincinnati guys, those guys are all young guys. They're all going to be back next year. So now I get to develop chemistry with this lock. Who's going to be my starter next year, more than likely. And we get to work together for the next several weeks. Like, to me you don't screw that up and put Mordecai back in there in 4 or 5 weeks and mess this whole thing up again
1: especially if let's let's say somehow mysteriously he he's available in 2 or 3 and and you you eke out a win in Illinois and you get annihilated by Ohio State and you are looking at a minimum of 3 losses and you're looking at this ceiling on your season right there's a, there's a point where you know I don't want people to check out of this season but there's a point where okay this is your limit you know Three, three losses, four losses. There's a certain bowl attached. Three to losses
0: it. is still nine wins. That's still a good season.
1: It's a good season, but it. But it, you're talking about going all in with with Mordecai and hoping for whatever you know whatever max result is. I don't know. I think it's. I, I could. I could absolutely see going with Locke and maybe if that cost you an extra win somewhere along yep. the way, it's four losses. Okay. It yep. Happens.
0: I agree. One thousand percent agree. Uh, what about Mike Trestle and the defense? Thoughts there, because uh, Jim Leonard's defense was dominant, uh, really good for a long period of time. What do you think of Trestle's defense that he's running?
1: You know, I I think that's been another process, right? It was one of those things where defenses, I think, learn a little more early in a season than offenses do because you can just run right over whatever opponent. You don't have to do much from a game-planning standpoint. But that Washington State game I thought was a bit of a – bit of a gut check, right? They they go out to Washington State, they lose, They give up 31 in that game if I remember right and and uh, you know, that's that's where gut check time happened. They they were fine against Iowa, but everybody's fine against Iowa. I don't necessarily They gave up the
0: one big run, yeah. and that was essentially it's so the fourth quarter when Iowa put it away.
1: Right. So I, I think they they've got a chance to build momentum. They've got a chance to go to Illinois and and, and build on what they just did against Iowa you're going to have to weather a storm against Ohio state, but uh, yeah, I I feel like the returns on that are pretty good. It's interesting how offensively it's complete upheaval and defensively feels a bit like, like it has, it doesn't feel that much different than it has, you know, there's talent on that side of the ball. that can make a difference and, I don't know. I 2023 isn't that different for me on the defensive side. All
0: right. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Last topic du jour here on Kurt and Long. Uh, no managerial uh, announcement yet. Uh, apparently talking with counsel still. Uh, thoughts, feelings on counsel back or not? Uh, I can't, <laughs> I'll, I'll answer it. You said thoughts. I'm going to make sure I check Twitter as we're recording to make sure he didn't announce what the hell he's doing. No, here, I go ahead.
1: I don't think he will. I don't think he will until after the World Series. But I, I, I'm I, going to split thoughts and feelings because you said those. I'm going to split them. <clears throat> thoughts are – council has done more with – I won't say less, but more with weird situations than any manager has in a while. He's the longest tenured manager in the National League. Yep. And I think he's an essential guy to the brewer's success. As much as people want to nitpick on this and that and the other, I think council has won with different types of teams and he's done the right thing. I think he should stay. I feel that he won't. I I, I feel that I, honestly, if you, if you want to know my, my true gut opinion, I, I think your clubhouse leader is the council just, just checks out for a little while that he just goes home and it's, you know, you reach a certain age in a certain situation in in your life, and you know how how counsel is. He's his own guy, right? He's he's got grown kids now, kids that are that are out of the house, and you know he can, you know he's he's proven himself. What what else does he really need to do on that front? He can he can sit at home and and either choose the managerial situation that works for him or just not deal with the stress of it. I also wouldn't be shocked if David Stearns lays you know some big package at no. him to manage the Mets, but I. No. I I don't think it's the, the the clear front runner that people think. I think yeah. people want to make him a Met. I don't know if that's necessarily
0: the case. He ain't dealing with the New York media twice a day for 162 games. let with that. Craig Collins does not want to deal with that media that often all the time. Sports talk, radio, all that? No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I would say. If I was Matt Arnold, and I've said this before, I'd go to Collins and go, look, man, you want a year off? No problem. But Matt Pat Burphy will, will be the manager for a year. Take a year off. Go watch kid play college baseball. Kind of re-energize your batteries. But we're going to tell you right now what we're going to do while you're gone. I'm trading Corbin Burns. I'm trading Willie Adamas. Both of them are gone. And we're going to start kind of this rebuild, reload, whatever the hell you want to call it with these younger guys. So you're not going to have to be here to have to deal with it. Can you believe they traded Corbin Burns? Question. You won't have to deal with that. Can you believe they traded Willie Adamas? You won't have to deal with that either. But I'm telling you, it's happening while you're gone. So I don't want you to be surprised. And then when you come back, we'll be in rebuild mode. We'll have all the prospects we get back from both of those deals, a couple guys up in the rotation, uh, and kind of this is how we go. And the reason why Burns has to go, with Brandon Woodruff out now for the year, it looks like, you have no chance of a World Series. That's done. So if you have no chance of a World Series, this is not playing Prince Fielder's contract out because you had a chance to win the damn thing. You're not going to be in that situation. So now you have to move Burns this offseason. Get as big of a haul as you can going into the last year of his deal in arbitration. Be done. Willie Adamas hasn't hit the same since his first year. That's another one. Bye-bye. Because Terrain can play shortstop and just be just as bad hitting. So he can play shortstop, and there's your answer there. And then you've got to figure out, you know, what do you want to do at second, first, and third from that perspective. I'll tell you what I'm lobbying for. And everybody laughs at me. I want Sal Freelick to move to second base this offseason. I want them to say, you're playing second going forward. Go play second. You're athletic enough to play second. You played second either in college or something at the end. If you go on Baseball Reference, at the very, very top, you can find him playing second base for a couple of games. I want him to play second base. I want Tarang to be at shortstop and then figure out whatever first and third is going to be. If Tyler Black is going to be at first or probably first base, I'm guessing. If he's at first base, fine get some old dude to play third for all I care. That outfield should be Jackson, Churio, Mitchell and Weimer. Yellow should be the designated hitter. Leave Contreras at catcher and let's go and see what happens. I'd rather do that and suck next year possibly because these guys are going to have to figure this stuff out. I'd I'd rather do that than just plug holes with a bunch of old dudes and pick up a couple Wade mileys and go, "Oh, we're going for it and waste everybody's time. I'd rather get the experience for these young guys like Mizorowski and some of these other cats Uh, at at some point to get up here your thoughts on how you would do this
1: there's a there's a weather forecast for me with the brewers there's a storm coming it's going to be a rough next like this off season maybe into the first part of next year maybe into the whole of next year there's a rough period coming and it's it's by a, a variety of factors but then on the tail end of that there's some sun on the back end of that rain and that sun is by the time you get to the end of next year and the start of 2025, Mitchell's in his third year and Weimer's in his third year and Felix in his third year, and Terang's in his third year and Churio is up. And and that team, to me, all of a sudden has that feel of what? The 2006, seven ish Milwaukee Brewers? Like is, is Churio brawn? You know what I mean? He shows right. up and the, those other kids have been up for a year or two and they all mature together. That is the thing that, that uh, if you're looking for the optimism, that's the optimism. The pessimism is... Oh my goodness, what's coming up? Burns is arbitration eligible. Remember that the last time? Can't I mean, have it. I, no, Can't I mean know. I I literally think from a from I, I don't like use, using the term PR, but that's what it is essentially, right? From a from a publicity standpoint, a PR standpoint of the team. I think they don't want to get anywhere near that. And I don't think they want to get near that with other guys, too. Woodruff is arbitration eligible, but obviously the injury kills that whole situation. Adamas arbitration eligible, Devin Williams arbitration eligible. So these are arbitration is going to be a real nasty word. Part of this, this storm in the off season. There's nope. talent here. No,
0: Kevin, no, it does not have to be. Oh, you Burns I mean, tells you <laughs> a number and you, you Burns tells you a number and you pay it. Right. Adamus yeah. tells you a number and you paid. You want to know why? Cause I keep any one of you fools anyhow. So right. sure. Whatever you want done. I'm not paying you. And yeah. that, if I'm at Arnold Corbin, we're good. Hey man, I want no problems. We're just gonna pay you. I don't want to go through it again. Hey, man, thanks a lot, Max. Sounds good. Couple weeks later, uh, Corbin, uh, you just moved to Cleveland. Good luck. Enjoy your future endeavors or wherever the hell you're trading them to. And that's it. Because I agree with you. You cannot go back into that room and have to argue against Corbin Burns again. That cannot right.
1: happen. And you're asking for uh, you're what you're asking for is a radical shift in in philosophy. But it's also after what happened last year with Burns, it may not be so radical. It might it it might be something right that's considered. I, I I would because. I think that sort of thing affects your future ability. When you build this young team, you just said it, you need to put that old guy at third. The old guys that can play third, if they see the situation and they go, this is how they treat guys after they get experience, they don't want to come. That's not the thing you want. You want the opposite of that.
0: Yep, I totally agree. He is Kevin Holden. He's the best. Follow him on Twitter at 321Q. Kevin, CBS58 sports director, does Packers play-by-play in the preseason, always does Pruz play-by-play as well for Telemundo. You follow me at Sparky Radio Ryan Horvath. I think he'll be back on Wednesday. Who knows if he gets called into uh, a case? I can't imagine. He's a radio host. How the hell does he get called into a case? But it's D.C., so you never know. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, we'll talk down the line. Always appreciate it,
1: Sparky. We'll put odds on Horvy's return Wednesday.
0: He better be here Wednesday. He better be here Wednesday. All right, have a going. Toodles